But um, we're going to go ahead and start today's conversation. And um, before we do that, um, uh, let, let's lead out with a word of prayer. Um, Andrew, if you could please pray for us. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, at this time, we just want to ask that um, that your Holy Spirit may abide in this conversation, Lord, that we're about to take place, Lord, that you allow uh, Pastor Mitch to be able to get on uh, as soon as possible, Lord. We know that um, the enemy, if anything, uh, doesn't want some of these conversations to get out there, Lord. Uh, we hope that these conversations are something that could be beneficial for our young people, for anyone listening, Lord, any, any, anyone going through the uh, through these things, Lord. We want to ask uh, just a blessing on, on this uh, this uh, ministry that we're having, Lord, and that um, as we get more and more people, Lord, that we may be able to impact in, in just a small way, if anything. And we ask uh, for your presence now in your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So for the ones that have been keeping up with us, uh, for the last two conversations, where actually it was a part one and a part two, um, and it was about fear. And obviously the conversation fit right in, the topic fit right in because we're living in a time that a lot of people are scared, a lot of people don't know what's going on. Now for today's conversation, um, the idea was brought up because we're, we're trying to plan something bigger. And um, we're, we're also trying to target um, specifically, well, I mean, not just the youth in our church, but youth, whoever watches this video. Um, and I think it's a problem, not a problem, but it's, it's a situation that impacts all of us. We all know someone that is struggling with the question of, do I keep my faith or do I leave it? Um, and, and to start to start this all off, um, Andrew, why do you think this is this is something that hits hits home? Uh, yeah, well, for me, you know, um, the question of um, you know the the young people right leaving the church, I think, is something that, that that hits home for me particularly um, because it's something that I went through, you know, personally, something that uh, that I believe all of us, uh, you know. Have, have gone through at one point in our lives and if, and if ha you haven't gone through it you're going through it now right and it impacts me even more because I have a brother right who's who's about 17 years old and I know Jason that you have you have a brother in that same age yeah, same and age. um to see them go through I guess some of the same things that you struggled with at that age right I, I look at my younger brother and sometimes I'm like man you know I, I can see myself and so, and some of the things, the predicaments that they that they're going through, and um, to me, when I think of, of, of uh, the, the young people leaving the church, it's something that has been. I feel like it's been growing more and more. You know, the percentages have gone higher and higher as far as the young people leaving the church, and uh, I think that at that age, is it's crucial because that's what defines what's going to happen in their in their Christian experience from then on, right? And I know that that's what happened with me, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, it, it's something at that age. It's a it's a it's an age where we're still discovering what we want with our future, what um what our life is going to be planned out like, and we also do, we're also forming our own uh, our own morals based on either what we've learned um out in the world, what we've learned at school, what we've learned with what our parents have taught us, and um it's that age. It's those teenage years that are that are crucial. For, for a teenager to form his own ideologies, you know? Um, now, with that in mind, what do you think is a, what do you think is a, is a, is a challenge um, that leads young people to leave the church? You know, I, I wouldn't say that there, for, at least for me, and, and I, don't, I don't believe that there's one reason why. Uh, oh, there you go, Mitch. Oh, we got Mitch. 
least we have his video up. Uh, yeah, I think so. Sorry about that, guys. Hey, there we go. Apologize. It's um. Uh, we were just we were just on Mitch and uh, we were just asking um, what's a, what's a major challenge? What, what that motivates people to leave the church? Young people specifically. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I don't know who was in answering, so so by all means, keep going. Yeah. 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 No. Um. I'll just answer. You. I, I was saying that I don't think it's one particular reason why uh, young people will leave the church, but I know that we were we were looking over several of the statistics that show you know, some of the different reasons why uh, some of the young, young people leave today. And, you know, I just, first, before we even go there, I just want to talk about some of the reasons why I felt like, you know, at one point in my life, you know, that I, that I left the church, right? You know, I, I grew up in church since, since I, you know, a seven-day Adventist since I, was, since I was one year old, so since I was born. And um, one of the things that stood out to me, right, that I think most of us can relate to is uh, the hypocrisy of the church, right? seeing some of the people right and this goes uh goes uh, back to you know focusing on people instead of jesus right the, the focusing on i guess people living their life in church and being someone completely different outside of church mm -hmm. right and, and and even you know that could be somewhere even in the home right we think we could talk about uh the lack of relevancy of the church right many of the young people who believe that you know that, that the church is not answering some of the deeper questions or you know are not dealing with some of the the deeper questions that that these young people have right and i think that those are some of the reasons that uh that and, and even from my own experience i remember from, from my own testimony um the, the hypocrisy in myself that i felt at one point right not forget about hypocrisy of the entire church right the hypocrisy that i felt in myself right growing up you know, Seventh-day Adventist, going to church, uh, doing the, you know, the going through the motions, right? And, and I guess getting to a point where you start to question yourself, you know, kind of like, why am I doing this, right? Is, is this what uh, the Christian experience is really about? I felt like I was one person when I was at church as a young person, right? I was, I was you know, I, I had my tie on, my suit, you know, I had my Bible on the side. You know, I went to Sabbath school. I knew the memory verses, did all these things was active in church and then when you know the sun went down you know I, I, I you know I, I would cuss up a storm I I, I I was I was a different person completely right so forget about the hypocrisy just in general I saw the hypocrisy in myself and I said you know is this what Christianity is really about and that's what ultimately led me to kind of uh, take take a step back from from church yeah let me let me just to uh, very quickly because I, I don't know if you guys mentioned this while I was gone but uh, we do want the people who are joining us to uh, be part of the conversation. Also, uh, we appreciate you guys just trying to uh, be with us during the technical difficulties. Uh, but if there is a question or a comment along the way, if we can incorporate it, we will. This is why we do it live. This is why sometimes things go wrong. Like this is this is the problem with live, right? Uh, it won't always be live, but this is this is what happens. Um, let me let me say that uh, to me. Um, one of the things that I struggle with, and I never left the church by definition. But I do think that I went through moments of, um, of, of weakness in my faith, if I could put it that way. Um, and, and part of it was me questioning whether or not what I believed was right, whether or not what I believed made sense, uh, whether or not what I believed was truth. And, and that, I think, is something that, that, um, that's, that's very personal to me. 
that I had questions. And I think my parents like did a great job in, in, you know, in raising me up in, in the faith and things like that. Um, but one of the things that, that I struggled with is that I had questions that sometimes like I found inconsistencies, even in the things that we would preach. And I'd be like, wait a minute, why do we believe this, but we do this, right? Or, or, or why do we say this and, and, and we practice something completely different? Um, and so uh, I doubt to me, and I, and I mentioned this to you guys while we were uh, prepping and right before we were going into this, um, that doubt to me is a very, very big thing, right? I, I'm, I'm with you, Andrew. Hypocrisy is is a big one, whether it's from others, leaders, or yourself. Uh, but I, I also think that the internal um, intellectual struggle that happens within us is real. And, and it's happened to me. And I think it's, it's probably happened to many of, of us and, and some of those who are listening to us right now. No, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Um, uh, and for, for me, I was one of the ones that did step out of the church. Uh, I didn't just like have one foot in one foot out. I, I completely, there was a point in my life where I completely stepped out. And in, I guess you could say in quote unquote, um, I was wilding out. Um, but for that, um, I can't say I could blame it on the church because I can't, because it was my choice. Um, I was, as, as you guys, um, I was raised Adventist my entire life. I was born into a, already an Adventist home. So I was raised with all the principles. I was raised with all the learning my 12 Bible, 12 Bible verses at the end of the, of the trimester, things like that, right? Um, and my parents always had me active in church. So I can't even say that it was my parents' fault that I left the church. Like they didn't do their job. My parents did their job. Um, growing up, I had good leaders. It wasn't until um, uh, my middle school, high school years, that's where uh, it really changed for me because I left from being in a... In, an academy my entire life mm. uh, to just boom public school i was exposed to so many different things that i had never been exposed to um and i unfortunately didn't have such a strong relationship with god i didn't have my personal relationship with god and i feel that's what affected me and i started making poor choices and i started hanging out with with the wrong crowd and that led to more poor decision making along the road um and now, but something that I do feel um, didn't help either was um, when when I, we started moving churches, we moved to the high desert. I didn't exactly felt like feel like I fitted in into the into the church at the time because I was the new kid. I didn't have friends, so I had no one to relate to with my struggles. I had no one to talk to with about with my struggles. So that the 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 friendships that I did not have at the time. That's what I felt also led me to slacking because I didn't have someone that I could confide in. Someone that I was like, dude, I'm struggling with this, man. Like, like, um, like, what can I do about this? I didn't have someone to look up to either. Mm. Um, and I'm not blaming it on the church at all. That, that, that was, I just didn't have the friendships at the time. I didn't, obviously I didn't know you guys at the time either. So um, I really didn't have somebody else to talk to. I mean, you can talk to your parents all you want, but when you have someone that it's in your age that, or that went through the same struggle as you're going through, it's a little bit more, um, I guess you could say, it's a little bit more reassuring as a youth that you could come out of that situation. Sure. Yeah. I, and I think, I think just kind of uh, joining in, cause I, I we got to, again, we want to welcome everybody that's joining us. Um, and, and please feel free. Uh, if you got a comment on the chat that you want to uh, let us know about, uh, we're going to try to include it, but I'm looking here. Uh, Julio Santos is saying very similar to what, to what we're talking about, which mm -hmm. is this idea that youth can't be honest or have honest conversations with those who are older in the church. 
uh, or sometimes they feel they're going to be judged if they present a certain point of view, right? If they present a certain idea or even a question. Um, and, uh, and, and sometimes I, and I, cause I think that's, that's, that's real, right? You got, um, and I don't know how you guys feel about this. I, I always think that church, the way Bible, the Bible presents it is a community of believers, right? It is a family of believers. It is, we call ourselves brothers and sisters for a reason. And you would assume that the best place to feel comfortable in would be church, right? Yeah. And at the moment that I'm saying, man, I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm doubting this, or I'm questioning that. Um, it, you, you would think the best place to ask this would be the place where your family is at, where, 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 where co-believers are at. And sometimes I think young people don't feel comfortable because we have a tendency at church to be overly critical. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Right now, um, I just saw in the comments, um, uh, Tita noted that, um, that she came from the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel, I've, and, and as a youth, so one thing that, that I've noticed and something that, that, that kind of bugs me is that when youth come from the outside into the church, people try to help them a lot. But when it's a youth inside the church that's struggling, people look down upon them because they're like, you know better. Mm. And I find that, and, and if, if anything, I find that should be a little, that's, that, that's kind of, I don't know what term to use, but to me, it bothers me because if anything, it should be, that person's still a youth. He's mm. still growing up. He's still deciding mm. on what to do with his life. If anything, instead of judging him and like telling him like, hey, you know better, you were raised in the church. It's like, hey, what's wrong, man? Talk to me. How can I help you? Yeah. So, and, and just, just to add on to that real quick, uh, Ellen White, curiously enough, talks about that if we're going to be patient as a church and as a leadership with any group within the church, it would be young people because young people are going to make mistakes. Like, like this is just part of growing up. We all know this. In fact, young people are going to make mistakes in every aspect of their lives, but sometimes the one aspect that is not acceptable in making a mistake is in the spiritual part. And that's not fair. Right. And this is the part where churches have to come together and say, look, um, we have to be a caring and loving community where when someone struggles, we're here to hug you, not to push you away. Right. We're here. We're here to uh, uh, extend a lending hand and not say, you know what, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Uh, well, how are you even part of this church? Like those attitudes, I think, need to change. Yeah. Um, just to add to that, um, you know, I feel the same way as far as like, um, how would you say inclusivity? If, if I could, if, if that's a word, right? Uh, as far as you know, I feel like sometimes the church, and we're gonna get into this. I I hope you know uh, about the culture, right? It's something about the Hispanic culture, right? Um, you know, we tend to say, uh, uh, preach a certain message, but then in, in in practicality, it's not something that we see. And what I mean by that, right? You know, where can we have a church where some someone who is struggling struggling with homosexuality can come to the church and speak about that to someone without feeling like they're you know some you know you know i don't know you know what i'm saying or or someone that that comes in dressed a certain way right not not the usual standard you know shirt and tie right you know we will say that we accept everyone and and that and that jesus came to save everyone and we preach this message but when it comes to practice i feel like you know you don't really have to say much your actions will say more than than anything that your words can say, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like as a church, we have we struggle with with that, you know, especially from his Hispanic culture, and I want to get into that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, let, let's start trying to um, get to some of these issues because I think um, 
uh, they're, they're, they're interesting and they're important to talk about. Uh, let's talk about this issue of doubt specifically um, and, and whether or not a Christian, a Christian young person should doubt. Um, is it is it okay to doubt? And I'm going to just use what what uh, Elias is giving us in the comments right now because I think this is important. Um, he says he's having an issue balancing uh, spirituality and science, right? Uh, the things that we're given in 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 school in education, and all of a sudden comparing that to the religious values or the religious teachings that we have. Um, all of a sudden, you start questioning, saying, "Wait a minute, is this right or is this wrong?" Um, where do we draw the line with doubt? What do you guys think about doubt? Um, is that something a Christian should experience? Uh, is it a sin to experience doubt? I don't know. What, 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 what's your feeling on that? I guess I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, that question, if you're a Christian, is it, you know, is it okay to doubt? Right. Um, I want to read to you guys. I want to start off with scripture, right. Just from the very beginning, you know, in Hebrews 11, one, right. Which is what we know as the, what is faith, right says, now faith is the sub substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Now, just laying that out there, right? Talking about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? It doesn't say of things that are certain, right? It says the evidence of things not seen, not the proof of things not seen. So we have something that's not concrete right there. There's a, that's why it's called faith. There's a faith aspect to it, right? So already when we get the faith definition, right, it seems like there leaves room for doubt, right? That, that to me is something, you know, the Bible says, for now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as, even as I'm fully known. That tells me that we don't have all the answers to all the questions that we have, right? And that, that to me is telling me that there is a room for doubt. And to me, I would say that not only is it human nature to doubt, but I would dare to say that I don't believe that someone can be a true Christian and not doubt. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. Now, let me say, let me explain, right? I don't think that you can be a true Christian and not question what we believe, right? I, like what we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, you know, our Christian experience. You know, one of the reasons why I felt like I wanted to leave the church was because I felt like, we were living uh, in, uh, I would just say that church made it feel like I couldn't question anything that, 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 that was, you know, um, you know, it was just a, you know, I can't go to, I can't do certain things on Sabbath. I can't, uh, you know, uh, during, do certain things with my friend. I can't go uh, trick-or-treating, right? I can't uh, do certain things, right? And as a young Christian, I lived in this bubble where I just did all these things, right? I did all these things, but I never really questioned why I did them. And I think that's why it led me to this place of ultimately saying, well, why am I even doing this? Right. I, I felt like in all this, I was suppressing my doubt. I was suppressing my questions that I had. And, and I wanted to actually uh, uh, bring up an article that, that we were reading to kind of uh, bounce off this. Right. That we were talking about. It's called the role of intellectual doubts. Right. Mm -hmm. It says. The research by the NGP and Barna Group have identified doubts as one of the primary reasons that millennials raised as Christians disconnect from Christianity. David Kinnaman has concluded that unexpressed doubt is one of the most powerful destroyers of faith. In three independent studies, NGP researchers found that doubts were associated with great risk 
of leaving Christianity and with poor spiritual health. Those with more doubts felt distant from God, prayed less frequently, and attended church less frequently. The impact of doubts fully accounted for the higher drift away uh, rates among younger Americans and doubt had a stronger impact on overall spiritual health than any other of the uh, several hundred factors examined, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea of suppressing doubt, right? I said, I believe that if you are a true Christian, you are going to doubt. You are going to have questions. The, the question then begin. Uh, the question then uh, uh, begs and answers, if I doubt, then what, what, what is the problem with doubting? I, I think the problem begins is where do you bring your doubt? Or how do you resolve your doubt? Or how do you resolve your doubt, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and in fact, I, I, just to make sure, because I read the same article um, and it was interesting, the phrase is unexpressed doubt. That means that what we're doing is we're holding in the doubt. We're not seeking for help. And see, this goes back back to whether or not uh, the church, whether or not we are forming the church as the place where we can express these doubts. Because the moment that we start suppressing them, we have a problem. Um, we are social creatures. We, we This is the way God has made us. And so one of the things that we need is to be able to extend a hand and say, hey, I need help. I'm questioning this. I'm questioning that. Um, and look, and I've sat in, in classes in seminary uh, with other pastors and there have been times where literally like these are pastors that have been pastoring for many years and they'll be like, um, yeah, you know what? I'm not too sure about this, right? It, it's, it's correct to ask. I don't, I don't see a problem in asking. The issue I think is two. One, do we have a place where we can ask? And two, are we even asking or are we suppressing those doubts that we have? Uh, and, and I think those have an effect later on. And, and I just wanted to add to, to, to that point, right? I believe that if we don't have those doubts, right, as a Christian, right, then we become this Christian who's just going through the motions, doing all these things, not knowing a rhyme or reason why we're doing these things. We're just doing these things. And then we all of a sudden define what the atheist defines as blind faith, mm. right? Which, which is not blind at all. Yeah. Faith is not blind at all. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, going back to what Andrew said earlier, that we kind of do need doubt. And um, I was looking at the comments on um, on YouTube and and Chris put, um, I don't think God is ever going to take away our doubt because it makes us search for the truth. And I completely agree with that. When we doubt something, it's like, well, is this true or is this not true? And we, we start looking into it. We start looking for like like we start looking for answers for that and those answers eventually lead us either closer to god or lead us somewhere else if we're looking in the wrong direction or not even asking somebody else or not expressing our 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 um our doubt with someone else mm. and like the article was saying unexpressed doubt is dangerous because then we just keep it within us and we just overthink it and overthink it and we never come to a conclusion we never find an answer to that doubt and that's what's that, that i find that as something dangerous uh, yeah yeah i mean i think there's a there is danger to to doubting i i'm but i'm gonna say something and i and and you guys again this is this is my opinion and just so everybody knows because i was going to mention this right at the beginning uh you know we don't want to come at this from like a very high theological point of view uh we're really coming from just our experiences what we know from, from the Bible, what we've experienced in our personal lives with God, with Jesus. And so we're going to have some disagreements. But 
I think that we're giving doubt way too much credit in, 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 in what we're saying right now. I, I agree that doubt is something that happens. I agree that doubt is something that, um, that can happen to anyone. doesn't matter who it is, but I do think that God can come in and remove our doubt. Um, I, I think that's part of what God wants to do. I don't think God wants to maintain us within doubt. I think that God wants to take us out. This idea of faith, we're still talking about evidence. We're still talking about certainty when we, when we read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And, and if I can add in, uh, what is it? Uh, is it First uh, Peter 3.15 or, or 2 Peter 3.15, one or the other, um, where it talks about having a defense for your faith which means that there are logical reasons as to why we believe what we believe. Let me give a quick example. We talk about the resurrection. The resurrection is the craziest miracle of them all. Someone coming back from the dead, right? This is what everybody, all Christians are celebrating right now. Okay. It, did the resurrection happen? Now, I believe that by faith. I've never seen someone resurrect from the dead, but I believe it by faith. At the same time, that event is grounded in history. When you look at Paul and he talks about the gospel, he says, look, we know that Jesus died, resurrected on the third day, and then so-and-so saw him, so-and-so saw him, so-and-so saw him, and then five other, 500 other people saw him, and some are dead, but some are still alive, and you can go check that. So when I look at that, I say, okay, do we believe the miracle? By faith, we do, but it's because there is evidence behind it. So doubt can't be that, I mean, uh, how do I put it? Not, not can't be that important, but it can't be that overpowering in us, can it? You know, um, just like you were saying, you know, uh, about doubt, you know, I think we can reach a place, right, where we have com faith, complete faith on God. And that's based on evidence, like you said, right? That's based on ex our experiences and that's getting to know God, right? And we can only get that to that place through that method. And I don't think that, you know, that means that all of our questions will be erased, you know, because sure. it's impossible to know everything, right? And then that's why what faith steps in. But, uh, you know, I think uh, when we think about uh, doubt, you know, is it okay for a Christian to doubt? It goes back to the same uh, idea to what we're talking about fear. Can doubt settle, right? Mm -hmm. Can doubt be there? Sure. But can it settle in a Christian's life, right? And uh, one of the, the things that came to my mind, right, is I think of someone like uh, Nicodemus, right? Mm -hmm. What was the, the only difference between Nicodemus and the Pharisees, right? Nicodemus brought his doubts to who? To, to Jesus, Jesus, right? Right. So I, I, I would I would say that it's okay to have doubts, but where are you bringing your doubts to, right? And if we settle in this in this mind state of, of doubt and we allow it to become then cynicism, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's where it's a place of danger, right? Uh, I wanted to uh, define cynicism. I, I was it was hard for me to find a, a good definition for cynicism that would be able that everybody would be able to understand. I found this one that I thought was um, that I, that I liked. Uh, cynicism can be hard to define, but we know it when we see it. It can be defaulting to a position of negative negativity. It can be the assumption of negative motives. It can mean putting our own position on a pedestal and laughing off every other position. This is when cynicism is the most tempting. We hold a position we know or believe to be true, and someone else expresses a position that's opposite. We tend to react with a negative view towards that person's position without thinking whether we should question our own position, mm. right? So when we get to this place where doubt is, you know, it, it just has so absorbed us, right? Where now it becomes a negativity, right? Like while everything that some, every truth statement, right? Has to be questioned, mm. right? I, I, I believe that, that that can be a danger, right? And 
just wanted to mention one more thing uh, from uh, Ellen White that she writes uh, in um, uh, Mind, Character, and Personality. It says, and because the works of God cannot be explained by finite minds, Satan brings his sophistry to bear upon them and, and, and entangles them in the meshes of unbelief. If these doubting ones will come into close connection with God, he will make his purposes clear to their understanding. Um, look, let me let me let me follow this up uh, with something that I'm thinking about right now, Jason. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see what you think about this. Um, we fine. We we feel doubt. Okay, this happens. Uh, we start questioning our faith. But where does it eventually, like Andrew's saying, right? Where does it eventually just sit? And it's our accountability that's the problem so it's not it's not the issue of doubt but it's it's our my my personal reaction so let's just say i'm a 15 16 17 year old uh young person at church i'm questioning certain things where is my responsibility at in this and where do i say it's others because i think what andrew is pointing to is is true right there we question these things but sometimes we allow them to sit and that sounds like it's a it becomes a personal issue so before i start blaming somebody else where do I begin to blame myself? Does that make sense? Yeah. Jason. I think I think you can start blaming yourself when you're not even trying to look for an answer. If you just sit with the doubt and you're just doubting and doubting and doubting and, and I guess you could say you're, you're being lazy. Like sure. you don't really want to know the truth about things. That's when you can blame yourself. But if, if you have a doubt and you express it either to your parents or you start researching about it, mm. then... I, I, if you're if you're diligently researching it, if you're really looking for the truth, the truth will come to you. You will come to the light of the truth. Like no matter what it is, like be it something religious, being it something from school, whatever it is, you're gonna find an answer to it. Now it's up to you if you want to apply that answer to your life. Be be it whatever it is that you're searching. Like it it applies in the, the, for the term doubt. It applies for it in general. Whatever you're searching for, you're gonna find an answer. Now whether you like it or not. That's going to be up to you. How you handle that answer, that's up to you. But if you're not searching for an answer, if you're not searching for something to to, to satisfy that doubt, hmm. that's where you blame yourself because it's all your fault that you keep on that you keep yourself in in, in doubt. Yeah, because I find look, I find something interesting in scripture. You guys remember the story of the rich young ruler um, that comes to Jesus, right, and ask and ask him about eternal life. Um, it's fascinating because if you read that whole chapter. You find out that right before that, you have parents bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples, uh, some of the disciples start pushing away the kids and saying Jesus is too busy, right? Um, and, and, and so within the chapter, I find two things happening. One, at the beginning, as parents, we take our children, I'm speaking as a father right now, uh, Andrew, I know as a, as a hopefully, and we're praying soon to be father, uh, Jason, well, we'll talk about that later, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but um, but as a father, right? My job is to take my kids to Jesus. But eventually, am I? I cannot take my child to Jesus anymore. Eventually, as a young person, we got to start going to Jesus. And the rich young ruler goes to Jesus, and this is where I'm talking about personal accountability. He gets the right answer, like this, like he gets it right. Jesus gives him what he needs to know, and he makes the decision. Not anybody else. I mean, there was a lot of hypocrisy in Jesus' days, but he makes the decision, no, this is not for me. So that's what I'm talking about, self-accountability, right? Like eventually we got to start looking at ourselves in the mirror as young people and say, this is about my faith, not about my parents' faith or somebody else's faith. 
Yeah, and and just to to follow that, you know, uh, when do we become accountable? I, I, you know, I talk about my my own experience, right, uh, uh, in going off to college, right, and I and I seen on one of the articles that we read that most of the most of the young people that end up leaving the church is due to them leaving to college, right? That's one of the factors, right? And I remember thinking to myself when I when I left to college, that was one of the biggest turning points of my life, because I thought to myself, I was in this place with where my parents were not around to watch what mm -hmm. I did right my parents weren't there to tell me to wake me to tell me hey it's time to go took time to go to church you know time to wake up hey you know you know read your lesson do all these things right mm -hmm. so it, it kind of came to this place where just like you were saying all of a sudden now the weight fell on me right mm -hmm. you know and I went through this period where I stopped going to church and that question dawned on me you know is all and, and I started thinking to myself you know now that that God that my parents were instilling in me, that God had to become my God. I mm. had to make that decision. Now, if I didn't want to go to to church, I, I could easily have not gone to church. And many people when that were in college didn't go to church. I didn't go to church, mm. you know. But I made that decision. So when I went back to church, if it was this this amazing feeling of like, wow, I had to make that decision because it was, it was I want. I was yours. searching for Him. Yeah, it was yeah. my decision. Andrew, and just just because I just because I know you, I, I I don't know if you shared, uh, but can you tell us? Did you go to a public university or did you go no, to no. Adventist University? I went to Adventist University. I don't know if I I think you should remain re, remain nameless, right? <laughs> right, right. But but I, and I'm only I'm only bringing this up because and and I know uh, Jason, you went to an Adventist University. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, I went initially to a public university, right, and so. The, the school itself is not going to protect you. Now, there is an interesting statistic here, and, and, and I think it goes along with what you just said. The reason why in college a lot of people leave, a lot of young people leave, is because they have already made their decision in their teen years. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, uh, there was this, um, uh, this uh, study done by, um, by the, uh, I think it's Public Religious Research Institute out in Washington, D.C., and they said that all of those who left the church between the ages of 18 and 29, 80% of them, of those who left the church within that age, so basically young people, 80% of young people made their decision before they were 18. So in that moment where we start becoming independent, when we're starting to mature, that is when I personally make a decision whether or not I'm going to stay, which means this is the crucial age, the age when we are young, the age when we are teens, when we start questioning, right? This is when you have to go in and say, okay, yeah, you know what? I, I, I got to find some answers. I got to find some things that are going on. Uh, how did it happen with you guys? Like when, when, at what age did you guys start questioning? Right? At what age did you guys start thinking about this? Uh, it, it really was that age. Um, I was in the, I was in the transition from high school to, to college. Mm. And um, I mean, it was, it was in my high school years where I practically mm. stepped out of the church where I was, I was uh, doing everything that's frowned upon by the church. And um, it wasn't until the summer of my senior, after my senior year, it was during that summer that I kind of like, it hit me like, what am I doing, man? Like, like I'm over here uh, uh, doing things that I know I shouldn't be doing, knowing certain people that have gone down the same route and ended up really bad. Yet here mm -hmm. I am doing the same thing when I have examples of, for, for me to say no to that stuff. Um, and it wasn't until then, like, it wasn't that exact point. I was like, that's it. I'm going to follow Jesus. It was like, I need a change. Like I've been raised my Adventist my whole life. I've been raised a Christian my whole life. I need a change. Um, and even when I went to college, I took off to college. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name it, but where I went to college, it, 
there, there was a lot of partying going on. So I could have easily taken the easy route. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go party, man. This looks fun. I'm right. going to go with these guys, you know? Um, and, uh, so this stuff, Jason, this stuff is happening everywhere. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, it isn't, it isn't about like, are you Adventist or not Adventist? Like, like young people are struggling with this issue everywhere, whether it's within an Adventist university, outside of an Adventist university, in the church, outside the church, doesn't matter. Like this is real. Yeah. It's something real. Mm -hmm. And then to, uh, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not shielded from it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure every single one of our viewers online right now, as Adventist as they can be, they have at least one friend that's not Adventist at all. And that does not have the same beliefs as all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we let ourselves be guided by, 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 by things that they say, we, we let ourselves be influenced by it. Um, and the power of influence is something huge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is like whole peer pressure and all that. Like, oh no, I'm not going to fall into peer pressure. We all fall into it, believe it or not, be it in the style of clothes that we wear. So, or the, the sports mm -hmm. that we watch or um, the cars that we like, all of that, it ends mm -hmm. up being, if you look to the root of it, mm -hmm. it's a peer pressure. Maybe it's a good peer pressure. Maybe it's a bad peer pressure, but it's a peer pressure. We all, we all somehow fall into that. Now, um, when I was in college, it wasn't until I was by myself. It wasn't until I had my moment of choosing for myself, like really sitting down to think of the life that I was leading and a life that I could lead that, that I figured out like, wow, like what I'm doing is wrong. Like mm. living with living a life with Jesus in it is completely different. And um, from that, for those that don't know me, I'm, I'm a biologist by, by, by degree. I graduated as a biologist and um, a lot of people like I've met science has made them doubt God even more. Yeah. But in my case, being studying all of these things, it made me believe in God even more, which, which is what I find when people tell me like, Oh no, like I, I like uh, uh, being a biologist or studying chemistry or studying science made me doubt God. For me, it was like, for me, it's kind of like a, uh, I mean, everybody has a different situation, but for me, it was, how can you believe just looking at the human body, how it functions, how a baby is formed in the womb for nine months, all of that stuff going on. How could you not believe that there's at least an intelligent design behind that? How could you, how could all of that being formed so perfectly be, a, be, a, be something of chance? And it was those things, me studying more upon them, me reading more in the Bible, seeing that one of them being that Jesus sweat, sweated blood being late, later on finding out that that's something that can happen physiologically that could really really happen to a person that just made me believe even more in the bible because i was like dude that's not something that just was made up and it was written in a book hundreds of years ago it's something that could happen to someone now in days it just for me it just strengthened my faith it didn't it didn't make me it didn't make me um look somewhere else and it made me want to have like okay jesus is real he made the world I want to get to know him. Like, I want to know what he really is. Like, what, what is Jesus all about? Right. And, and this, I think, goes to uh, something that we want to talk about as well, right? Because I think this, this points to the idea of culture and the culture that surrounds us. Um, because I think it does, it, there, there are many influences, right, around us that eventually shape our outlook on life, uh, shape our worldviews. Um, so, so where does culture play in all of this? Cause I, again, we, we've already spoken about the church and maybe not, not being the most, um, the most welcoming place to express doubt. There is the issue of personal accountability, right? Where we got to search, search for God. 
But what about what's around us? And Andrew, I, I, I think I heard you a little bit earlier say that you wanted to get to this point because um, yeah. I think it is very important. What, what do we do with culture? Uh, that's an interesting one, right? You know, what, what role does uh, culture play, you know, in the young people leaving the church? I want to say that it does bring some difficulties, but I think we have to balance this idea with what we're talking about, about self-accountability, right? And, and I want to get into that. Right. Um, I, I grew up in obviously in his Hispanic church. Right. But I was um, at about the age 13. Right. Uh, I went to a Hispanic church and from 13 onward, uh, my parents made a decision to kind of uh, uh, take us to a church because we were uh, we spoke primarily English. So they wanted to take us to a church where we could be comfortable, right? Obviously, as a parent, they want to take us to wherever we be, we would be involved. They obviously seen us in a church, in the Hispanic church. We, we probably weren't, you know, as involved as they wanted us to be. So they put us in. So for me, it's almost like I dealt with both sides of the coin. You know, I came from the Hispanic church going to an all-white, all-Caucasian, uh, Asian church. So I experienced both sides of the coin, you know, of the coin, right? And when I used to, when I, I remember thinking when I was in the, in the, in the Hispanic church, you know, some of the difficulties that I, that I would think to myself, I felt like it was like two opposites, right? Mm. In the Hispanic, in the Hispanic church, I feel like we can be um, extreme with some of the ideas, right? Like, uh, like we were talking about with, with the young people, right? Uh, I remember when I, when I was, one of the things that comes to my mind from being in a Hispanic church was it was, it was so strict, right? I felt like, you know, when we're having communion, like I couldn't even blink, right? Yeah. Like the, I felt like it was like this ritual, right? And I never really understood what communion was until I was older, but I felt like there was, I remember uh, uh, ladies that would go around the deaconesses, you know, if you were chewing gum, they would go like this and you would have to spit out your gum. You can't, like, you can't do, uh, Andrew, you can't do this now in the age of coronavirus. That's no. not happening anymore, yeah. <laughs> you know? So just, uh, I remember thinking of how, how extreme it was from that standpoint and thinking, you know, uh, you know, some, it felt like, I don't, I don't want to I felt like in the Hispanic church, they have this dif difficulty. It feels like sometimes uh, it's almost like they're, I, I don't know if I want to say this, like robbed of joy, if that can, if that can. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, yeah, I think that's fine. I, I would say that tradition plays a very big role yeah, we, we, in Hispanic we churches. this conversation before, like we were talking actually yeah. a few weeks ago specifically about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's. I think tradition like plays a very big role when it comes to uh, Hispanic culture, and you know how it is. Like, like I mean, and, and let's just step out of the church for a second, right? You're gonna do it's it's Christmas time, it's New Year's time. Like, you gotta eat the same thing every single year. God forbid you eat something else because then you've broken all traditions. And so th there is that sense, I think, in Hispanics that hey, we got to do things very traditionally. Um, and, and, and that's interesting because I think that's a little different to the world that we come from. Yeah. And, and I want to mention the other side, right? Cause uh, in the Hispanic culture, I felt like I said, I want, I want to make that emphasis, right? I felt like it was in a sense robbed of joy or, or, or there was like this, like, uh, like this stoic, you can't smile. You got to be serious, right? When you're in the presence of God. And, and I completely agree, right? With reverence and all these things, but like, I felt like you couldn't, uh, you could, couldn't smile almost like it was like you know and i felt that from from the hispanic church now going to the uh to the other side right where i went to the the, the all-white asian church right i felt like it was a little bit more liberal right they had drums they had they had they had a, a guitar right it felt more useful i felt like i was like 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 i was having more fun there was more geared toward the youth 
But at the same time, there I felt like it was almost robbed of truth. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So I, I, it's like it's mm. like I, 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 I went to both, and this is where I came to the climax of of, uh, of what I was going to make my decision if I was going to continue to be a Christian, right? I was like, man, well, I experienced almost both sides of the coin, and I felt like in both of them, they both left me empty, if that makes sense, mm. right? So it kind of was like, okay, well, here I feel like it's like uh, joyless in some sense, and here I feel like they don't represent truth to some some extent and i was like is this what i really want right 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 um let me let me say that i think uh it is very important to find the right church for you like like and i get it right we're raised in a certain place that's fine but but eventually you got to find the right place for yourself uh which jason i think you were saying that right like you like you move churches and all of a sudden you don't have anybody around you things like that that is very important um, and, and, and I, look, I'm a firm believer that there isn't one way of doing things like that. It, it, it just can't be that way. Um, we see it in scripture as well. Like, uh, Paul writes to different churches in different ways because they're dealing with different things and come from different backgrounds. So I cannot expect someone who is not Hispanic to, to worship in the exact same way that someone that is Hispanic. But I think this comes to, a, 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 a an even like a bigger point, a more important point, which is that tradition is not necessarily truth. Um, mm -hmm. that, that the way that we do our ritualistic practices of worshiping God is not necessarily equal to truth. There is truth. And as long as we stay within the realm of truth, there is a variety of doing things or, or a, a variation on how to practice faith. Uh, Jason, I think you wanted to say something about that. Yeah, um, um, based off of tradition, like sometimes um, there's so many things that we do in church that mm -hmm. are traditional. But if we look at if we look at the Bible, a lot of those things don't have a Bible base. It's just a tradition, and sometimes we uphold. And it's the same thing that was happening with, with in Jesus' times. People were holding upholding more tradition, more tradition than the truth, and that's uh, that's why um they the the, the the Bible says that they saw Jesus came to them and they didn't mm -hmm. even know him. They didn't know who he was because they were just holding on to tradition, um, and that. Like we, we always like, oh, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be this. Don't be that. Mm -hmm. we, we kind of do the same exact thing nowadays. We're upholding more tradition um, than anything. And uh, as a Hispanic, growing up in a Hispanic, not just a Hispanic family, but a Hispanic community, when it comes to being a man, a man is what? You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to show feelings, all of this. Wait, wait, we're not supposed to cry? I, what? Yeah, like, well, when you're a little kid, it's like, hey, los hombres no lloran. Like, hey, yeah. men don't cry, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a human physiological need for you to cry. Mm. Like, it's mm. something that you need physio physiologically. You sure. cry, you sure. take out stress, you take sure. out your anger. It's good for you. Sure. But as, but, uh, but as a Hispanic, I mean, my parents, I'm lucky to have parents that aren't as traditional being Mexicans. They're not super traditional mexicans sure so hey, that hey. Asked, my parents didn't raise me like that they told me it's okay to cry it's sure okay. sure they, they, hey. they well, what about uh men don't clean <laughs> yeah look. That, that's a whole different subject look, look and but there's, <laughs> there's yeah but but look let, I mean, let's kind of kind of bring this back to what we were talking about issues and things that you question um there are things in scripture that are read traditionally and and are read into our culture right and they'll say something like oh um, uh, you see, uh, Mary, uh, Martha was in the kitchen. That is the role of a woman, right? Whereas the men were the disciples and they were out there. Uh, these, these issues, we need to take a step back from them 
And, and we need to start looking really closely to what the Bible is telling us. And as you said, um, in the time of Jesus, literally, there were traditions being taught as if they were the word of God, but they were not. And Jesus literally tells them they're not the word of God. They're the doctrine of men. Um, I, I think sometimes as now, I'm not trying to say that tradition has no place whatsoever. Yeah. But I think for young people specifically who are dealing with their faith and trying to figure out how to navigate all these things, I think we got to keep perspective, right? You got to say, um, okay, I understand this is how we do things traditionally, right? And, and that's fine. There may not be anything wrong with that. But we want to achieve something even better than tradition. We want to be as close to the truth as possible. We want our faith to be grounded on Jesus, not on traditions that can be broken down at any moment. Yeah. There's a line that my mom says, um, and it says, um, tradition is broken in a generation. In Spanish, it sounds different, but it, it sums down to every tradition is broken with every generation. And yeah. it has to be like that because, okay, in Jesus' times, women weren't known for being lawyers. Women weren't known for being doctors. None of that. So all those traditions in Jesus' time, can it just, it just can't be applied to ours mm -hmm. because there's incredibly successful women out there that don't know how to cook because they're out saving people's lives. They're out teaching others how to save people's lives. They're out being the, being everything else out there. So it can't, we just can't compare it. So um, there, there, there's a, there's a line that um, pastor uh, Dave Ashford uses. Hmm. Um, and I, I heard it at one of, I forgot, I forgot what event that he was at. I think it was GYC. Hmm. Um, he said, uh, we have to get into a position where we could change how we, ch we share the message, but not change the original message. And that's what we yeah. have to learn how to do. We have to learn how to put the word of God out there, but mm -hmm. not change the fundamentals of it, not change the truth. Right. right. Uh, I just wanted to uh, kind of bring us back to, to, to what we're talking about culture, you know, uh, to the point of, you know, what effects this culture have, you know, on, on some of the young people leaving the church. And I just want to put this out there. I want to remind everyone, you know, because we're talking about self-accountability, right? I remind, remind everybody that there is no perfect culture or environment or mm -hmm. setting right mm -hmm. you know uh what is the the saying you know uh, some of the the, the 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 atheists say you know oh you're just a christian because you were born into a christian church or you were you were raised christian but obviously we're having this conversation because that's not that's not the case we see a lot of the young people that are leaving the church right and i and the, the thing i want to uh, kind of just i want to read a quote from desire of ages right you know in, in bringing back the self self-accountability right mm -hmm. you know yes culture may bring some difficulties right and, and uh it, in our christian experience right uh, whatever church we may go but i want to read to you guys this from desire of ages um it says christ was the only sinless one who ever dealt dwelt on earth yet for nearly 30 years he lived among the wicked inhabitants of nazareth this fact is a rebuke to those who think who think themselves dependent upon place, fortune, or prosperity in order to live a blameless life. Temptation, poverty, adversity is the very discipline needed to develop a develop purity and firmness. Mm. Um, you know what, look, let me, let me say something also about culture. And you, I, I know a lot of people that are watching. And again, we want to, we, we thank all of you that are joining us today. Um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're going to start slowly starting to wrap this up. So if there is a question that you'd want to say, please put it on the chat uh, and we'd like to hear. Um, but I, I think, and for those of you who know me, both of you know me, 
one of the things that I'm a big proponent of, especially in Hispanic culture, because that's this is what I know, is is bringing in English into a Spanish speaking church. And the reason I, I think that is because even above being Hispanic is being a Christian, like the way the way that we identify ourselves. Right. Um, and, and I'm going to expand this issue of culture outside of the Hispanic world uh, using that same example. Uh, but let me let me, for example, talk about uh, LGBTQ, for example. Um, a lot of times the philosophy behind what is being what is being uh, uh, proposed or what is being uh, given to you is that your first identity is as someone who is lesbian or who is gay or who is bisexual. Um, this is the same thing that happens in Hispanic culture. Your first identity is you are Latino. You're not Christian first. You are Latino first. You're Hispanic first. Um, and, and truly, when we look at scripture, the idea is that we are supposed to step out of that and our very first identity is as followers of Christ. That is what should identify, identify us first. And I think when young people come in and they, they become uh, focused on other things that are not Christ or that are not Christ-like, it is very easy to fall away from the faith. As an example, now we're dealing with so many different things socially in this world. Jesus has solutions to our social problems. Like literally the issues of poverty, the issues of, of inequality, the issues of, of illegal immigration, all these things. I keep going back to what Jesus teaches. And I'm like, dude, if we had a culture that was primarily Christian, if not 100% Christian, we would live in a great place because Christianity is about taking care of each other. It's about loving each other like the way God loves me. That only happens if uh, we remove these ideas of culture and we start focusing on what it means to be Christian above what it means to be cultural in whatever aspect, right? Um, and, and I think this is a, a big challenge that young people have to do when questioning their faith. Got to start focusing on Christ. Don't look at other people. Don't look at these other cultures. Look at what Jesus is offering you. And what Jesus is offering you is way better than anything you're going to get. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Je There's nothing that you could point to that says, man, what Jesus is, what Jesus is trying to give me, mm. it's not for me. It doesn't work. It's not good. We, we, we just can't say that. Mm. And um, going back to the, to the whole topic on uh, why, we're, why the youth are decided to keep or not to keep the faith, mm. um, I think something also that's very, um, that's very uh, detrimental is um is, is trying to hold them back when they're asking the questions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when they start finally start asking the questions i've seen it myself um at my local church the adults are like no that's not okay to ask them and that, that goes back to to the whole fear to the whole to the whole fear to the whole doubt thing when we're when we're when when we have someone doubting something and we kind of try to silence them it makes them want to leave them. It doesn't let them feel welcome in the church. Right. When right. the church is supposed to be, we've said it hundreds of times, but do we actually believe it? That the church is the, is some, is a place for the sick, the sick of the spirit. Mm. Sometimes we completely forget that. And we think that, Oh, I'm going to come into church. Um, uh, I'm already perfect. Like I, like God's already accepted me how I am. Like I could rebuke anybody. However, however I want. When we're forgetting that when you point a finger, we have three fingers pointing back. And instead of um, instead of giving uh, constructive criticism and not, not even constructive criticism, because even constructive criticism can sometimes be de detrimental on how you use it. Um, we sometimes forget that, like, hey, man, what's up, man? I see that this and this is going on. Like, 
like, like, talk to me, man. Do you want to talk about it? What's going on? Sure. Sometimes you just get, hey, you can't be doing that. Hey, right. you can't come to, dress, to church dressed like a, hey, you can't do this in church. Like, hey, why why did I see you over here on, like, on, on Friday night? You can't be coming to church when you're doing mm-hmm. that stuff. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to show love to that person, and uh, sadly, I've seen it more in my Hispanic church and in, in a Hispanic church setting more than anywhere else. That, that That's just my point of view. I've seen it more there than in other churches. And it's kind of sad that we're pushing them away. We we always talk about we need to draw in the youth. We need to keep the church, the youth active in church. But we're sadly pushing them away instead of pulling them in. Hmm. So uh, the question would be then, what can churches do better to keep their young from leaving mm-hmm. the church? What can yeah. what can they do? Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think kind of to start wrapping up the conversation, I think that's a very good uh, a very good question to answer. Um, uh, first of all, uh, I, and I'm going to go back, and the text is First Peter three fifteen. I had to check it, First Peter three fifteen, uh, where the Bible, and I'm going to read this to you guys. Um, it says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you." Now, we generally think about the person asking in this text as someone that is outside the church. I think we have to start considering that the person that is asking about the reason for the hope in us is a young person within the church. We, as a church, we have to better answer the questions. Um, I've realized, you know, and again, this is, this is, this is part of my job, obviously as a pastor, um, but, uh, when, whenever I have opened it up and, and to all those from inland Spanish that are watching young people, shout out to all my inland Spanish youth. Um, whenever I have opened it up to questions, they have come up with some really important questions, sometimes very tough for me to answer. Um, and, and so I think we, as church leaders, as youth leaders, we need to start having better answers for the questions that we are given this whole idea of. Well, that's just how we do things. That's not a good answer. That's one of the weakest answers we can give. There's got to be a reason for the hope that is in us. We got to have a defense for that reason. And and by the way, the, the Greek word for defense is apologetics, right? It's apologia. And so uh, we need to focus more on apologetics. I'm a huge believer in that. Uh, and I think as, as churches, as youth leaders, yeah, we need to do more apologetics. That's just one thing. I'm, I'm, I have some other things, but but I want to hear what you guys have to say. But what churches can do um well I, I just wanted to say um you know i think sometimes we put so much uh emphasis right uh, on what can we do to better keep the young people from leaving the church we put so much emphasis in keeping the you know keeping our young people in the church instead of focusing on what's happening with our young people mm-hmm. in the church right and um i wanted to use these two scriptures to kind of give it an example right because you know it's some you know you know, I hear parents all the time, you know, oh, what can we do? We got to do more programs. We got to do more things for our young people so they can be involved, so they can stay in church, right? They, they want to keep their, their, their kids in church, but I think we put too much emphasis on just keeping them in church, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, right, we see examples in the Bible, right, like uh, Nadab and Abihu, right, mm-hmm. who, are, who are Aaron's children, right, who technically, if we make this practical, they were in church, right? right. They were, they were people that they were young, young people that had positions, right? They were involved in church, but we see, you know, they, they authorize an unauthorized fire, right? You know, right. And, and to make that practical, right? They were doing things that shouldn't have been happening in church, right? Sure. So we put so much emphasis, oh, let's keep them in church. Let's keep them in church, right? 
but inside what's going on, you know, what, what's going on inside of those young people. Another example we have that is Eli's sons. You guys remember Eli's sons, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the people that were coming to bring their sacrifices, right? They had a puesto. They had, a, they had you know, in church, right, as we say. And uh, the women would come and they would sleep with the women that were coming to the, mm -hmm. to the tent, right? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they were taking certain parts of the sacrifice and setting it aside for themselves, right? So they were doing all these things in church, right, in the temple. They were in church by the standard, right? That's what we want. We want them to stay in church. But inside, their, their hearts were, you know, completely, you know. And, and the, the point I want to make with this in, in, in 1 Samuel 2.29, it says, why, speaking about uh, uh, Eli's sons, right? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And on, no, he's, uh, he's speaking to Eli. And honor your sons more than me to make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. He's speaking to Eli, right? It says, you're honoring your sons more than me. So that, to me, is a problem with starting with who? The head of the household, right? Right. And, 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 right? It says, you honor your sons more than me. It kind of reminds me of the verse in Luke where it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children brother and sisters yes in his own life also he cannot be my disciple so in essence what this verse is telling me is that if eli was honoring his sons more than god that was telling me that what he was not a disciple of god at that point so if eli himself was failing to have communion communion with god failing to be a disciple of god how was he going to pass that on to his children and it comes back to the point that this kind of starts at home, right? Right. right? This starts from from the from you know more be from from the church, right? We say, what can the right. church do? This starts first at home, right? And we know this because in First Samuel two twelve, talking about Eli's sons, it says, "Now the sons of Eli were corrupt; they did not know the Lord." Right. right. Key phrase: they did not know the Lord. So if they didn't know the Lord, what does that mean? Eli was failing at knowing the Lord their father so and yeah. if he wasn't passing that down to his children right so the, the, what i'm trying to get get at with this is that you know sometimes we put so much emphasis on keeping the young people in the church what can we do to keep them in the church but we have to remember that first it starts at home sure and as a church what we can do is how can we show the young people to have a relationship with god to help them know the Lord, right? If this is something that's not happening at the house, in the household, which should be happening, right? This is something that we as a church can step in and say, hey, you know, how is it that we can, first of all, uh, help our young people to get to know God? So, so uh, um, would the idea be here that the goal is not to keep young people in the church? It's, it's really to make sure that they have a strong relationship with God. Because exactly. I think those are two different things. Uh, I'm going to take the words of Elias right now because he put Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 right proves that it's possible to be in the church but have your heart uh, far away from it and so um, uh, that's why sometimes by the way some churches have developed uh, models of entertainment so as to keep their young people in the church but the faith is completely empty there is no substance within the faith and so it becomes more of like a movie theater you go you get entertained you leave and that's good enough because you've kept them in the church that's not good enough for salvation. Mm -hmm. Salvation is not about staying within the church. Salvation is about staying connected to Jesus. Now, is the church a, a, uh, a good place for you to stay connected with Jesus? Absolutely. That is the place that God has established. 
but the goal of the church is a bigger one. It's not, let me keep my members. The goal of the church mm-hmm. is let's make sure we connect them to Jesus. And right. it has to be that way. Uh, I, and I agree. Now I would say this, Andrew, just to kind of bounce the, what you just said right now. Um, I think that as leaders, it begins with us before we point to a young person, right? But eventually the young person grows up and now it's up to them, right? So we, we eventually do cut it off and we say, hey, your parents may have messed up. It may not have happened at home, but now you got to search for the truth on your own. Jason, you, you wanted to say something. Yeah, um, actually, um, I, I read it. I was going, I was reading an article and it was, it, I feel like the article really pinpoints several different spots. And I, I know this is, this one's going to, this is going to hit at home for you, Mitch. Um, and it says right here, the first part, it says the responsibility of connecting with the youth does not fall solely on the pastor. Amen. Amen. Like <laughs> Amen. Like, Let me say that. And I feel like sometimes we think the pastor, the youth pastor is the one that has to do the job. Mm-hmm. The, 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 that's not his sole job. The, mm-hmm. the church isn't the pastor. The church isn't the building according to the Bible. And I, I there's a, there's a sermon that you specifically had about this. The church is us. Right. So they, first of all, if there's a problem in the church, it's not the pastor's problem. It's not the building's problem. It's our problem because if we're the church, then the problem is within us. So we have to fix that to get to the, we have to change ourselves to get to the root of the problem. Yeah. And, and, and let me just say that eventually the pastor moves on, right? At, at individual churches, eventually the pastor moves on. Right. So your faith cannot depend on the relationship that your pastor has with God or, or, or whatever the pastor is doing. Although allow me to say that I feel like I have a responsibility before God to make sure that I'm leading young people to where they need to go. But Young people, your faith does not depend on me. I'm going to point you to Jesus. That's what I got to do. I got to point you to Jesus so that you can stay focused on Jesus. So when I'm gone, you still stay with Jesus, right? That's that's the main thing. But go ahead, exactly. Jamie. Go ahead. Exactly. Like Mitch is human too. All three of us are human. We're gonna make mistakes at one point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're 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 trying our best to not to, but we are gonna make mistakes. Now, um, uh, now that the article keeps reading and says kids are smart enough to know that the youth pastor gets paid to be their friend. That's not true. That is not true at all. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Obviously, like, I, I mean, it's something that like the kids are like, this guy's my pastor. He gets paid to do right, it. You know? Right. Like it's his job to do this. And then know it's his job. So, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes it could come off as genuine as other times it come come off as not so genuine right. relationship. Right? right. And it goes on to add, not having a significant relationship with another adult makes mm-hmm. young adults two times as likely to drop out of the church. Simple, and that says two times, not just mm-hmm. once, but twice. Right. Right. Simply by inventing a per, inventing in per, inventing in personal relationships with young people, that Adventist church is more significantly more likely to keep them. So mm. consider these next. What I'm about to read is I feel is very very important. Sure. So consider the ABCs of building relationships in the context of your church, and it falls in perfectly with that. Right. A being authenticity. B, belonging, C, compassion, and D, discipleship. Mm, mm. You have to be authentic. You can't right. be fake. You can't, right. you, if you really want to connect with someone, you can't show them one face. And as soon as you're not in the presence of that person, you show another face. You, right. As a Christian, you just cannot be fake. You have to be authentic. You're only going to get to know God more. You're only going to know your faults when you're authentic with yourself and with God. Yeah. Then belonging. You have to make the youth feel be- like they belong. 
You have to make them like if, if, if church has to be a safe space, the youth group has got to be a safe space. You have to make somewhere safe where maybe the there's an adult, maybe there's a brother, there's a sister in Perfect. church, inside the church, that's making them falter in the relationship with God because they keep judging them. They keep on saying rude things, rude comments. They mm. keep on doing things like that. Mm. But your youth group, you yourself, you have to be a safe space for that kid. Mm. You have to tell them, hey, dude, like you can trust in me. Come talk to me. If you need something, come talk to me. You have to make them feel belong that they belong. Then discipleship. And this is this is this is something that's important here too. Is this discipleship is key for Christians of all ages. Mm, mm. Being a disciple is key. So once you make them belong, you have to practice discipleship. And how are you going to do that? You can only be a disciple if you you can only make disciples if you're a disciple yourself. Right. And who are we disciples of? Jesus. We have right. to exemplify Jesus's character. And right. we're only going to get to that if we ourselves are. You know, really having that one in one-to-one relationship with God and la- and that, that's the last point like oh and also it says compassion because mm. it's the ABCD but compassion we have to be compassionate we don't know someone's background story we yeah. don't know what they're going through we have to be compassionate enough to be able to get down to their level well not necessarily just their level but be genuine with them and tell them hey man I care for you what's right. going on like why 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 do you do this? We can't just tell them, hey, you can't do that. Like, hey, right. that's not allowed here. It's like, hey, what's up, man? Like, what's going on? Why, right. why are you do, carrying out this behavior? Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not necessarily correct, but what's going on with that, man? Explain to me what's going on. What's the situation, you know? We have to, we have to get, down, uh, get down with our youth. We have to really have a relationship. If you don't have a relationship with someone, you're never really going to know what the root of a problem is. You're never going to be able yeah. to help them out. Yeah, and there's, and there's, a, there's a need also uh, and I, I'm going to make a call to any of the adults that are watching. We need to make better relationships with our younger members, right? That is very important. Um, the idea of a community, uh, a belonging, is that everyone in the church is welcome here. And that means not just only those who are uh, adults or who are in leadership, but also those who are young in their faith and young in age as well, right? Um, let, let's, let's wrap this up because we do got to finish in the next five minutes. Um, but, uh, just final statements. What would you say, uh, to someone who is struggling to a young person who is struggling, uh, with their faith? If, if you had to tell them something brief, you only had just, uh, just a little bit to tell them, what would you say? Uh, let, let's start, let's start with Andrew. What would you say, Andrew? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I would say, uh, I like what you're talking about, uh, being genuine, right? Um, I think that it starts with, with, analyzing yourself and talking and thinking to yourself, you know, if you want to be genuine, right, it it starts there. And uh, one of the things that I, that I would say to that is, you know, when we we have these doubts, right, like we were talking about earlier, it, it, it it all depends on where you bring it to. And um, we're going to have questions, right, no matter how old we are. And through all our Christian experience, we're always going to have questions. But um, one of the verses that has always um, stuck to me in, in my heart, is um is the bible verse that says when you look for me you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart Mm. that to me is so powerful because that word search is so important right it doesn't say just you know kind of you know lazily as uh jason put it right lazily looking for this right if we want to have an encounter with god if we you know are on the verge of uh i guess leaving the church i want you to be genuine with yourself and, and and think to yourself 
have I made an honest commitment to really search out truth, to really search out God, to really have a relationship with God? Uh, the Bible verses search for me with all of your heart, right? Not 80%, not 70, not, not 90. It says all of your heart. That's 100%. That means have you made the effort as a young person before you step out of that church to say, you know what? I gave it my all. You know, I, I got down on my knees. I prayed at least once a day. I, I read the scripture at least once a day. I shared the truth about Jesus with someone I knew. Did you do, you know, breaking it down to those three simple things? Did you do those? Did you try that with your whole heart intent? And if you can sit here and tell me as a young person that you've done that, you know, to your fullest, then I, I don't know what else I, I, I could say to that. It's good advice. I appreciate that. Andrew, Jason, what, what would you tell a young person that's struggling uh, with their faith, whether or not to keep it uh, or, 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 you know, stay within it? I would tell them, hey, man, you're not the only one that's gone through it. Mm. And I'll, because th we all have our, us three, we have our own experiences. We, we came from three different, three different backgrounds and we went through three different situations. And uh, I would tell them, hey, man, if you feel like you could trust me, talk to me about it. Or if not, go find someone that you feel that you could trust that you could look up to and confide in that person. And lastly, um, I would tell them, and Believe what Matthew 7, 7 tells you. It tells you, seek, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Mm -hmm. God isn't going to leave you in a position of doubt. He's just not. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're like Andrew was saying, if you're searching for him 100% with all your heart, he's going to lead you to the truth one way or another. It's, he's not, he's not going to take you somewhere where he's not supposed to, where you're not supposed to be. He's going he's gonna to take you somewhere where you should be, where you can get to have a relationship with him. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And look, let me, and let me finish this up. Um, and, and I'm going to uh, say two things, right. If, if, uh, following this question, um, I, I would tell anyone who's struggling with their faith um, that scripture is very, very clear. God loves you, right? Um, God loves you. Uh, God desires to be close to you. God wants to have a relationship with you. It's sometimes we make it seem as if it, as if the problem is God, but it isn't. We're the ones that stepped away. The, the philosophy of, of scripture is that we were the ones that decided to face uh, or to turn our backs on God. And God is still after us. And so in the struggles that we have, God knows this. Uh, this is not new to God. He, if, you, if you read the entire Old Testament, you find a God who battles and, and, and struggles right next to people and an entire nation that doubted him at times, that pushed away at times, and God keeps coming back. Um, but when we doubt, when we struggle, when we're wondering whether or not we should keep it, let's weigh what it is that God has to offer. And what God offers us is better and is greater than anything that the world can offer us. Uh, because even in the crazy storms of life, God offers you peace. That's something that you cannot get. And mm -hmm. even when no one loves you, God offers you love. And even when no one wants you, Jesus died on the cross for you. Like this is the beauty of the gospel. And this is the center of what we have. Now, on the other hand, going to what you said, Jason, um, uh, you know, find someone that you can ask these questions to. And, you know, and I raise my hand. That's what I'm here for. Like literally as, as, as an associate, as a youth pastor, as an associate pastor at a church, um, if you're doubting something, if you're questioning something, go up to any of us, by the way, right? But, but, but you know, just in, in my official capacity and you guys as well as youth leaders, right? Come up to us. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know. Let's try to figure this out together. Sometimes I'm going to have an answer for you. 
sometimes my answer will not be enough for you. And it is necessary for you to seek it in scripture yourself. But whatever you do, ask the questions. Do not be afraid of what the repercussions are going to be. And if you get a pushback, it's okay. Go to someone else and ask the question, but do not unexpress that doubt. Express it. Let us know. And we're here to help. Um, and, and I just want to, unless anybody has a last thing to say, um, I just want to say, I want to thank all the people that have, um, uh, that have said comments. And there were a few that, that had a number of good comments, uh, Julio, uh, Tita, uh, Elias. Um, we had, uh, Chris who, uh, Chris Lopez, um, brother Pedro, that's from my church. Um, and, uh, we also had, um, uh, Tracy Dane, who I know who that is, but I'm not going to reveal the name, uh, but uh, as well. Uh, and everybody else, uh, Dan, uh, your cousin Dan, I think was on, uh, and, and uh, he was also commenting. Um, uh, we want to we want to just thank all of you for joining us. Now we do want to make this a regular thing on Sabbath while we're on quarantine. Once that's done, we're gonna, we got to figure out what to do. Uh, but we believe that next week we're going to have a very very good conversation for you guys. So just keep an eye out uh, for the announcements. Uh, that, that I think uh, it, it's going to be very interesting and probably something that you have heard others ask, if not you have asked yourself. Um, and last, and this is just for everyone, but especially for those from our church, um, in 15 minutes, we start another program. This is our normal Sociedad de Jóvenes in Spanish. Uh, we're going to be talking about food and quarantine. So uh, last week it was about mental health and quarantine. This time it's going to be uh, food and quarantine. Um, and um, uh, but this is this is interesting. Um, by the way, Elias just put in a question here. Uh, how do we rationalize with all of the genuine doctrines from the tons and tons of Christian denominations all claiming with fervor to have the truth? We got you next week. You have to watch next that, bro. week. We got you. Okay, because we're gonna we're gonna start talking about that. So Elias, segue, right? Perfect yeah, exactly. Segue. Elias, you better tune in. And if you don't, uh, I think I know where you live. So uh, let's just make sure. <laughs> Uh, that that uh, that uh, that you is that a threat? What is that? <laughs> yes, that is a 100% spiritual threat. Okay, that, that's what that's what that is. Uh, anyways, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, Jason, will you will you uh, end us with a word of prayer, and uh, and that'll end our conversation or Zoom conversation for today. And and one more thing before we finish, like Mitch was saying, we want to keep this a, a thing. If you guys have any questions, any topics that you guys feel like it's needed to cover. Mm. don't don't be don't be don't be shy sure either here in the comments hit us up personally if you don't have our we're gonna have to do a thing where we put up our emails and our instagrams whatever it is so that they can message us so they could get direct contact with us so you guys could throw those doubts out there we have this this is what this is for we're making this for you guys to help you guys out to have a have an outlet for you guys to get an answer to those questions the best way that we possibly can that's right that's so right you guys just Go ahead and ask. Don't be shy about it. But um, with, that in, with that in mind, um, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, for how wonderful and merciful you are with us, Lord. And also, I want to give you thanks for this Sabbath, because it is on this Sabbath that we have this form of reaching out to, to the youth and to others, uh, other members of this church, and uh, whoever it is that's watching us that doesn't even necessarily belong to a, to a, a church, Lord. Now, Lord, I pray that you help us and you give us discernment, Lord, to discernment to truthfully look for you, Lord. Whatever doubt it is, we know you have the answer. Just help us to diligently look for it, Lord, to, to diligently ask you, to full-heartedly ask you to give us the answer to whatever it is that our heart is doubting, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you be with every single one of our viewers. 
um, that you know their hearts, Lord. You know their struggles. You know, um, you know their wants. You know their needs, Lord. I pray that you be with them. If there's a situation, whatever situation it is that they're going through right now, Lord, that you give them peace and that you give them guidance to get through this, Lord. Amen. Also, ask, ask, Lord, that you keep this, uh, this, this program in your hands. That it, that it be you who works through us to reach out to others and to minister to others, Lord. And that um, because of these conversations, we want um, we make others want to minister to others about you, Lord. Please uh, forgive us of our sins, and thank you for this Sabbath, for this beautiful day of rest. I ask for all these things in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, so once again, thank you for everybody that joined. Uh, we hope you have a blessed Sabbath. Uh, join us in about 15 minutes at 530. We're going to continue with another program. Uh, Jason, Andrew, thank you once again for the time. Uh, and if God permits, next week, next week, we got an excellent topic for you guys. And we hope that uh, the conversation will be a blessing. And all your comments as well will all be good. So uh, have a blessed Sabbath. Channel, we'll be waiting for you. Guys. That's right. Hopefully, no technical difficulties this time. But, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll. I'll have to talk to Spectrum about that. Don't know what happened, but <laughs> but we'll figure that out. Have a blessed Sabbath, guys. We'll see you guys. Happy Sabbath.